welcome to the 50th, yes, 50th, from the Rookerian podcast. We've done more podcasts than uh, English batsmen have got runs in Australia or something like that. We started these in uh, the end of the 2009-2010 season. Malky Mackay had just finished his first year as Watford manager. Danny Graham had, uh, had never shown a vest at that point. Tom Cleverley was the player of the season. Fulham had just lost. In fact, we recorded the first podcast. They were losing in the UEFA Cup final. We never knew a man who lost. League final. So, well, just well. in case Michelle Platini is listening, you'll have you, you'll have you sanctions. Uh, we, I'd never heard of a man called Lawrence Platini. And I don't know about you, Jake, but I couldn't have found Udin on a map of Italy. No, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Uh, my my yeah, European geography isn't great anyway. But Udine, what's that? Hey, what? And also, Watford's position on the map has changed in that time, hasn't it? So, uh, yeah, good. Let's keep on the geographical theme. Or should we just leave it there? <laughs> yeah, we're done, yeah. That's enough on cartography. Really cartography, is it? Maps? Yeah. So that's your cartography lesson over and OK. 50th, though. Well done. Yeah, well done, us. Thank you for listening. We're about to go to the uh, Watford QPR game. Uh, this podcast, Mike and I recorded half of it at Ipswich Away, where we uh, got to go into the media section. Uh, got a lovely lunch there, didn't we, Mike? Yeah, we worked for it, though. <laughs> we had to work hard. I'll, put, um, I'll make sure I put a picture out again of where I had to sit in the pit doing the photography stuff. So yeah, it's not like uh, not like you uh, press boys <laughs> just sort of making notes and firing out a quick report. I had to, I had to work for it, but yeah, it was lovely. Pie and pie mash. Get it. it was very nice. So Mike got to be a photographer for the day. I got to be a match reporter for the day. Uh, you'll hear that. So we, you see Mike speaks to Alan Cosy about his uh, his first camera for 100 Objects. What he's seen change over the 30 plus years he's been a Watford photographer. Uh, I speak to Frank Smith after the Watford Observe about how to be a match reporter. Also get his take on what the future under the Pozzo's in terms of our manager slash head coach is going to be plus he's been on the podcast more than anybody we get to have a uh, Mike has a post-match chat with Lloyd Doyle well usually it's a chat I like to think on this case on this case and it was actually an interview okay. I'm trying to be professional yeah so anyway you can judge for yourselves later on but we'll start we're saying hello we're going to have to say a goodbye a podcast made by Watford fans fans for Watford fans from the rookery end so Holly Watford's fifth home lost on the trot 1-0 at home to Sheffield Wednesday and Gianfranco Zola felt it was time for him to resign and left his position as head coach of Watford FC Jason was it the right time to go? it was not to say that it meant I wanted him to go what I wanted was for Zola to stay and be successful with, with Watford FC um, but when a man starts to doubt his own abilities then absolutely he needs to go and there's no point in him hanging around just trying things at random just to see if they come off he clearly didn't know what the next step was um, other than to, to resign Did you have a feeling for quite a while before it that oh, maybe he should go? Uh, I suppose it was sort of building up slowly there were people quite early on in the piece weren't they, on, on social media saying that he should go uh, quite knee jerky but those two defeats at home to Yeovil 3-0 heavy defeat to the bottom of the table and then uh, the nature of the 1-0 defeat at home to Sheffield Wednesday where you could see heads have just dropped and, and there just looked to be no inspiration on the pitch at all you could see it happening and I think I made a comment on, on Twitter that day no matter what any of us thought it was up to the Potsdays and the Potsdays surely wouldn't have been able to take much more in the end though they didn't give them that choice it was quite a, uh, quite a strange exit I think in some ways Mike negative and, all, and positive all at the same time like a neutron yeah I mean I, I was very very sad when, when, when he left because it, I just, I've, I've said this before but it just it felt so near yet so far we almost had it all so quickly um, under a, a fabulous manager that everyone liked playing great football 
in the Premiership, you know, against all odds, you know, in the face of everyone, the typical Watford way, back to the wall, we almost did it. And that, I think that's what made me, made me sadder than anything. And of course, when a manager leaves his post, it usually means that things aren't going, going right on the pitch. So you're, off, you're sad about that as well. So you're already coming at it from a sort of negative standpoint because you're emotionally drained, especially after five home defeats on the, on the spin, as you, as you mentioned. But I think the way he went was, was unique in as much as he went with pretty much everyone's good wishes. He, he managed to go in a very, very dignified way, which, which summed up his, his... Well, it sums him up, really, I think. Not, not just his Watford um, uh, tenure, but also how he's been um, throughout his football career. And I think it was... You know, you asked Jason whether it was the right time to go, and he said, yeah, and I think the, the nature of the departure probably answers that question. I think, yes, it was, because he, he went with, with his head sort of held high. The Potsos didn't need to sack him, so they saved a bit of face, if you like. Um, didn't have to admit they'd made a mistake. It was just a mutual parting of the parting of the ways, and it just felt right, didn't it? Really, and you know, I still maintain that that even sort of I think it was nine was it nine games at that stage without a win, yeah. ten, ten games. That isn't really that is isn't still justification for getting rid of a manager. No, no, no. And I still I still maintain that. But but as Jace just just pointed out, it was just everything was very very low, and usually with with Watford under under the Potsos and under Zola, you can see us go forward and you can see they're always in with a chance and all something might happen but that had gone that had really really gone it was very flat and if anything we were just regressing we were becoming very very easy to beat at home away from home we were sort of just hanging on in there um, but we were going backwards and in the cold light of days you know then something had to change and um, I think um, as it's, it looks like the right decision was made but I'm really pleased that it happened the way it did, that he, he, he wrote that, that, that nice open letter which sort of reaffirmed to everyone what a top bloke he is and yeah, unique in many ways because usually it's like, you know, look, you only have to look at, at Malcolm McCarr, we mentioned him, he was our manager when we start, first started doing this podcast, look what's happened to him at Cardiff. So the way it's happened here, I think, is basically as good as we could have hoped for. Now, I, I hate football and football fans and the media when things are going wrong and all of a sudden it's manager straight away it's manager straight away um, I know you go, you go back to the yeah, so Alex almost got fired and look what happened to him etc um, but it, it wasn't until as Jason said, that moment, I think it was a Yeovil game, especially the Sheffield Wednesday game, where you could just see body language and sort of the... the I, I don't think Lozona necessarily lost the changing room, because they didn't believe him or like him, but I think you kind of got a feeling that they knew they'd run out of ideas and it was sort of time to go. I never expected Gianfranco Franco to ever be involved with Watford Football Club, so... It was amazing when he did, and the first time we got to interview him, I, we were like a bunch of little pop star fans um, at a gig. What's the best thing about having Gianfranco Zola as your manager, Jason? The best, well, I think you've already said it, the best thing about having Gianfranco Zola as, uh, as manager is because he was Gianfranco Zola. He was a legend in football. Um, in, the, in one fell swoop, it raised the profile of our club. Uh, all of a sudden, we were almost headline news. Um, not quite in the back pages but a lot more than we would have been under Asini uh, and Dyche and Mackay my favourite moment during the Jan Franco reign was the game away at Charlton the 2-1 win when we had 10 men and there was a lot of talk obviously when Zola came in and the Potsdam model about how it wouldn't work in the championship 
talk about being in the press and having a higher profile a lot of it was negative press early on these Italians won't work in the English game um, but that game proved that it could do that he could do sorry one all away from home ten men got to play just over 45 minutes had to batten down the hatches we knew we'd probably get a couple of chances in that second half we did Alvin Abdi scored a great free kick you can see the the passion of the players on the pitch when they scored you could feel it in the crowd and the fans and you could see the work rate from there on in to try and keep hold of those three points it was it was amazing and, and for me it was something of a turning point in that season I think that was uh, when we uh, interviewed um, Nathaniel Chalabar he said his favourite moment so far was watching um, and have these free kick at Charlton go into the back of that net and it was I think that was the moment where it all, it all clicked in Mike my favourite moment is got to be screaming like a One Direction fan watching that amazing goal that Christian Batocchio uh, put in the back of it after just what was like watching Brazil passing football and, and the moments when we've sort of seen that sort of football that I have never ever seen at Vickers Road I've always adored passing football from you know watching the Liverpool teams in the 1980s the Brazilian teams from whatever um, and see what for do was, was, was a magnificent that was my, that's my favourite thing what's, a, what's your favourite thing it's not my favourite well we've got to mention the Leicester goal obviously because it was just just the most incredible footballing moment at Vicarage Road ever. Yeah, I mean, I was, in the lead up to that, I was trying to imagine a pitch invasion at Vicarage Road because <laughs> there hasn't been one for so long. I thought, I was just, I can't imagine it happening. So we probably won't win this game. And then, obviously, for that to unfold in, in the manner it did was was incredible. And that ha- obviously happened under Zola's stewardship. So big, big tick there. But I think, as far as I'm concerned, the best thing. Um, it's not really a moment, but the best thing about having Zola as, as boss was kind of as you guys have both explained, he put a smile on Watford fans' faces, and not just a smile, a, a, a massive, proud smile. We'd, we'd, we'd come out the, the back end of, of the Bassini debacle, things were starting to come out about how, how bad it actually was. We had new owners in the Pozzo family, which, which some people were a bit unsure of. The Everyone who wasn't a Watford fan was very, very negative about it. There were certainly a lot of Watford fans who weren't sure, understandably so. But after a slow start, he managed to, to sort of pull together this piggledy-piggledy squad of players that had only just sort of arrived in the country, um, you know, a couple of weeks previous, if that and got them, as you mentioned, playing some of the best football that we've ever, ever seen. So for him to sort of conjure that up and him to give us a football club to be proud of um, and to get behind in the face of sort of a lot of national jealousy, negativity, cynicism, whatever you want to call it, he gave us something to rally behind. Not just rally behind in the usual Watford way of backs to the wall, stodgy like we'll do it our way, but doing it playing magical football as well. And he gave us all some great times and, and I think that's what I'll always remember about Gianfranco Zola Ladies and gentlemen climb aboard the Zola Coaster with From the Rookery End Scream if you want to go faster We got challenged by the Watford Media Department to see after 50 podcasts if we could do it like the professionals You've been playing on it for long enough they said see how you see how you handle it in the real world uh, So uh, Mike and I uh, we went off to uh, Portland Road for a day in the media section. Couldn't finish our 50th celebratory podcast without speaking to our mate, Lloyd Doyle. So this is our day in the media department sounded like. From the rookery end. We arrived at 
Portman Road, part of the car, three quid, that's not bad, Mike. Yeah, but considering we queued for ten minutes getting somewhere that cost a fiver, so mm-hmm. that's all right, such. Yes, yes, uh, so we're about to head into, uh, into the media area. This is our, our challenge to try and be media. Mike, you're going to be a photographer. Yeah. I'm going to be a match report writer. Um, I have to do a report. Match report writer. <laughs> Bit of Beatles for you there. Very nice. Free charge, that. <laughs> <laughs> um, to see if we can do it under the pressure that the that the guys that we know in Watford have to do every single week. It's not the pressure I'm under pressure. It's about under being under leaden skies. It looks a bit wet and rainy and grim out there. So I'm not massively looking forward to being pitch side and getting drenched. But I want to give it my best. I'm going to go uh, and find uh, Frank Smith from Watford Observer to get his uh, tips on uh, writing a match report because he has to do it every single week. And you're off to meet uh, Cozzy. Yeah, the one and only Alan Cozzy. Hopefully he'll uh, guide me through the day. See what photography you can uh, come up with. Yeah, it's going to be magical. Right, I shall see you later. Cheers. From the rookery end. So Frank, I've got to do this match report. Um, You do this professionally. What should I have done before I got here today? Some research. We're a bit different to most national journalists because if you're a national journalist, you're covering generally covering two clubs that you maybe don't know as well. So you're, you're going to have to research all the, the, the facts and figures. Um, covering the club week in, week out, you know a lot of the information already. You know how many goals Troy Deeney scored, for example. How many? Is it nine? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I should know. That's why I'm worried. I should, I'm worried. I, I don't know. I should know. Yeah. I should know. So uh, we've seen the Watford team. There's, there's seven changes. Once you, you, you know, what, what, what's, the, what's the rest of the afternoon? What's, what's going to happen for you now? Come say two o'clock, you'd want to be set up because that's generally when the teams will be announced. Um, straight away, we put it out on Twitter, and then we copy the lineup over to the web story where we have a Twitter Twitter feed. You'll then start writing your on the whistle match report. You know the team news for that. Um, during the match, you'll be doing live t- live tweets um, and also doing an on the on the whistle match ball, which is when you are writing the match ball during the game, and then you upload it as soon as the final whistle goes. Okay, now that's my chance. I've got to get a report up by 5 p.m. Yep. Do I write that as I go? Yes. Okay. If you're right for a national or an agency, they will say to you beforehand, we want X amount of words, which would therefore mean you change what you're doing. Right. For us, for our on the whistle match ball, we just write it as we go. So you're not completely confident, Frank. I don't know how you got to tell me exactly how to do it. That would be much easier for you. Right. Uh, in terms of our on the whistle match ball, when, like I say, as soon as the team's announced, you'll, you'll do maybe a three or four paragraphs on the team news, um, you know, the number of changes, the players that are out, maybe. And then as the match goes on, you'll do, you know, you'll just write the action as you see it. I can do that. Until, and then when you get to around maybe 80 minutes, you'll then want to write your first kind of three or four paragraphs. So generally with our on the whistle match watch you'll have three or four paragraphs at the top right. where which will be the kind of you know what to secure their first win in ten matches. So today, the, blah, the, blah, the blah, first blah. three we sum up the whole game. Yeah the right, first okay. three the first three or four paragraphs you sum up the whole game. Sum it up Team news and the detail. Yes. Oh, I can never go there. I'll get something done. I'll do that. <laughs> You've had a very interesting week. Yes. You, you wrote a quite good uh, opinion piece. The thing I got from the piece was now, this is the, the, the Pottsfield world as it's going to be as we, we go on. Yeah, I think so. I think Zola was a, I say it's a, it was a strange point for the Pozzos. Obviously, you know, he had a decent track record in terms of obviously 
him as a player, but then also he, he had uh, managed in the Premier League, so it wasn't a bizarre appointment in that sense. And obviously, he spoke Italian, which would help with a lot of the players coming in, and he was obviously a lovely guy. But in terms of uh, the type of manager that the Pozzos go for, the people that I spoke to last week, that they sort of indicated that this is more like the Gino Pozzo type of appointment. It's not about who he's, who he's played for in the past or whether he's managed at, you know, the, you know, the big clubs in Italy or his reputation. It, it is purely about is he the right fit for Watford? Is, you know, what, what do Watford need from their head coach? X, Y and Z. Yet yeah, that guy fits the bill. The, that model of almost that the players come first and the system comes first rather than the, the ideas of the manager. It's a complete cultural shift because here, every, you look at the clubs that are most successful in this country, you know, the Manchester United and Arsenal, people like that, over the years they've been most successful when they've stuck with managers and the manager has been the focal point of the club, he's the one that makes most of the big decisions. What he wants he gets when it comes to players and you know, whatever else. It's a very different sort of system over in Italy where it's it's almost like the head coach is a cog in the wheel rather than the driver it's just a cog yeah. in the wheel you know you've got your technical director you've got your owner you've got the head coach and they're almost like a level par in terms of the side they're not it's not like with you know with Manchester United for Alex Ferguson with Manchester United yeah, yeah. that's not the case in Italy and it looks like that's not going to be the case here that head coaches might come in for two years if they're not the right person they will be replaced but there's not going to be a whole cultural shift you know no. if, you, if you brought Ian Holloway in or you brought Neil Warner your club would probably be run completely different. The, the way the team plays, the type of players he wants, they'll be completely different. Whereas the, the mindset over in Italy is you try and get the structure right, you try and get the discipline right, you get you know, your head coach is in charge of that side, you know, maybe your technical director or sporting director will be in charge of you know, the off-field structure. Your head coach is then in charge of the players. And, it, and then you have your group of players. And it's almost like if, if you've got your structure right and you've got the right head coach and it's not working, then you can say the players are not right. If the, if the players, if you believe the players are good enough and the head coach is right, but they're still not things right, then they'll look at the technical director. Yeah. Whereas over here, you generally will replace the manager and then it's complete upheaval and, and it changes. There is logic to the system. The problem is, over here, it's not used as often. With what's happening at Watford and the idea of head coaches and technical directors is still relatively new over here. And it's hard to know how it's going to work, whether it will work, because culturally the players will be very different over here yeah. than they are over there. And just to go back to the initial point you make in terms of the stability and the, the kind of structure at clubs, I think people need to maybe, not people, you know, I think the Watford fans maybe realise it, but the wider public need to kind of almost give Gino Pozzo the respect that I think he deserves in terms of his track record. That this is, this is not a, you know, you see what's happening with Vincent Town at the moment. The guys who doesn't understand football, he, you know, he's a bit irrational. You know, Gino Pozzo has a track record of being level-headed, having success at football, and I, I genuinely think he is he is the strongest thing in the Watford sort of. I don't want to use the model or the projects; they're not nice terms. But I think Gino Pozzo is almost Watford's main strength, and with him in charge, I think he'll get it right. You know, whether whether you know whether you agree that Watford have the right head coach now or the right technical director now, or he, I think he will get there eventually. He will get he will bring the success that, that obviously the fans want, and I do think he's almost Watford's main sort of. Yeah, main asset. Well, we uh, we'll see what happens today. What happens in the, in the coming month? Thank you, Vice Frank. Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. We are pleased to welcome on From the Rookery End someone that you will know, even if you don't think you know them. 
They've been around the football club for uh, as long as anyone can remember. Uh, responsible for some of the most iconic images in our uh, illustrious club's history it is, of course, uh, Alan Cosy. Alan, thanks for joining us on from the rookery end. It's my pleasure, Mike. Um, and I'm going to be uh, shadowing Alan today and uh, seeing how just how tough it is being a, uh, a photographer at this level. I'm going to see Alan's going to give me a few pointers. I'm going to see how I get on. And so, Alan, we're here. What is the year? 2013-2014 season. When did you start? Can you remember? I began taking pictures for the club back in 1980. That was the beginning. I wrote to the club as a 19-year-old. Why would we be surprised that Watford were the only club who replied? And can you remember your first, your first game? And more importantly, perhaps you'll see why in a minute, your first camera. I can remember the first game. It was a way to Colchester United in about 1979. That was my first, first camera. was a Nikon F. That was your first game with, with that camera was Colchester away, is that right? It was, it was. I remember that camera well because they were made of metal, unlike today where everything's plastic. It was a bitterly cold day and my hands froze. Did you get any good photos with it? I remember getting some pictures of Graham Taylor in, which is now quite an iconic tracksuit, Watford tracksuit, sitting on the bench. So yeah, and he had these dark sunglass type glasses uh, Gita used to wear in those days. You mentioned Graham Taylor there, he was there when you arrived. You've, you've obviously seen lots of changes in regime and, and managers since there. You've probably been one of the most constant features at Watford for, for a long time so how has it changed through, through your eyes I've seen lots of managers come and go through the revolving door do you know I can honestly say I've, I've not had one difficult relationship with a manager the job has changed it's now easier to take pictures um, and there are m- more areas that stuff you use social media club website club programme club calendars it's just an easier job now but there's more areas that you have to get pictures for and has there been a particular um, subject a particular player or member of staff that you've enjoyed uh, taking photos of the most Mrs Helgerson perhaps uh, <laughs> I think if you ask me my favourite player that I've photographed I think you'd have to say it was John Barnes because it's just his balance sense of balance and sense of movement really and you could see that when you captured an image of him you could see he, he just had something that other players didn't have so that's one end of the scale what about are there any absolute horrors that you can never never seem to get a good photo of yeah each player's quite challenging uh, Helgerson was uh, one that was difficult but once I understood his game he was easy to read and that's what you do with different players at the club for three years you have to look at them playing their football first and then that gives you an idea of how to program and in terms of, of a day we're, we're stood sort of next to the tunnel area here at, here at Portman Road can you just run us very quickly through your sort of game day for you and well, away game day you've, f- you've picked a good day today obviously with a new manager on board I've got lots of different things to be doing so I normally will go out to the pitch about quarter past two to see if the manager and his staff come out onto the pitch today I've got to obviously get pictures of uh, Giuseppe Sonino likewise I mustn't miss any of the action on the pitch so um, I'll be putting my camera in at the manager or at the goal mouth one of the, one of the two so, and so there's, you mentioned there there's a lot going on today obviously the new boss everyone's keen to see him but obviously a very very important game in, in Watford's season do you like it when there's a bit of pressure on you for on days like this when you've got to deliver different types of photo or do you rather have it last game in May feet up I'm looking at them later in the evening and I'm <laughs> pleased with them I don't like it when um, I've had a poor day so I'm sometimes my home hardest critic for the challenge everyone likes the challenge I like it when, when there's something on it and how would, what would happen on a poor day how would, how would that happen a poor day would be someone scoring a goal and I'm not quick enough to react and get that picture and then they 
then decide to run the opposite way to where I'm sitting, which actually comes down to luck, but you have to use your knowledge. I struggled when Gianfranco became manager because I think if the fans will remember, early on in his reign, lots of our goal celebrations wouldn't go to our fans, they would run back to the manager. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I w- obviously, if you want to sit by your fans, you're normally going to get the goal celebrations, but that frustrated me for about six weeks until I realised that... Um, <laughs> The way to do it was go and sit by the manager. And so today I'm I want to be on the touchline taking pictures, at least trying to. Have you got any any what's, what are the main tips, what are the things I should be looking to do? Mike, the number one thing is you've got to enjoy it. Okay. Number two is you can follow the ball or you can follow the player. Lots of photographers follow the ball around the pitch, believing that's where the pitcher will be, but sometimes the pitcher's off the ball. So um, you make your choice really, you follow the ball or you decide to follow the play. They are quite the same thing. And what do you recommend I do? Let, give me give me a project. Focus your camera into the goal mouth, and any time that ball goes into the goal mouth, fire that camera. Done. Right. Well, we're going to get ready for the start of the game. We'll get Alan to look at some of my work throughout the day, and uh, we'll get, he, can, he can critique it. Alan, thank you very much for now, and uh, come on your horns. Read the musings and ramblings on the podcast blog at fromtherookeryend.com. So here we are before the game. Well, down by the touchline, we can see uh, Watford, uh, Watford warming up and uh, first glimpse of the uh, of the new manager, looking very suave. Although he uh, he does keep putting a uh, like a black woolly hat, which uh, which detracts slightly from his sartorial elegance. But we uh, we won't hold that against him at this this stage. And uh, I've already been given my uh, my first task, which is a bit nerve wracking because we've got one of Alan's cameras that takes pictures at a particular depth. I've got to try and get a picture of him when he sat down in the dugout, and uh, that's my job. So I didn't realise I'd have. Uh, such a focused task to start with but there you go under pressure from the off don't mind that at all uh, so better get on and uh, see how I get on with it I guess one of the things that um, cameramen are desperate for is something to photograph and just watching Watford's new manager here very emotive arms flailing around the place sort of shouting at anyone on listen it looks like um, that Alan Cosy and uh, also his fellow photographers are going to have a lot to uh, a lot to photograph this year. They're going to have a lot of fun with him. I think we see, could see some interesting images of, uh, of Mr. Sardinio over the uh, over the coming weeks and months. So it's half time here at Portman Road and it's uh, it's nil nil. And I can confirm after 45 minutes of trying to be a sports photographer. It is very, very difficult indeed. Alan, the advice before the game was to either focus on either the game and to follow the ball, or to, or to follow a single player. And it's so, so hard to do to do one or the other because obviously you want to see what's happening, you want to try and get the best shot, and it's really, really tricky. <laughs> Absolute maximum respect for these guys, guys doing it. We're in a pit here at, at Ipswich at Watford. Um, if you imagine, uh, we'll have seen it a hundred times. You see the, the uh, cameraman they're sat around the edge of the the pitch here at Ipswich. You're literally at. Uh, uh, level you're in, in a pit and you take these covers off and you and you jump down so you're just your head and shoulders really poking above this pit and uh, you really are uh, in the thick of the action so it's um it's a, it's a real sort of interesting point of view to watch the game from I and mean, uh, from my point of view it's difficult to stay focused in the job at hand because obviously it's a new experience and you can hear everything the players say and uh, so on and so forth so uh, as for the game itself Watford look all right you know I think everyone said before the game that they take a draw and it looks like really that's what we've come for and uh, if we can get that then uh, it'll be good but in terms of uh, working at being a professional photographer difficult difficult stuff especially when you've got people like Irony walking in front of you and uh, wiggling his fingers in front of the camera he obviously likes uh, he's obviously got a bit of a sense of humour but for the second half I'm on my own so I'm by the Watford uh, attacking the Watford goal where, near where the Watford fans are but Alan has gone over where the Watford fans are because he's 
uh, the, the, the shot they want the most is a, or he wants the most, is a, of the players celebrating, and then obviously if a, if a Watford player scores, he's going to go to a fan. So that's that's what he's hoping for. Let's hope he gets it because it means Watford, uh, Watford will have scored, and uh, I'm left on my own to uh, to fend for my house, myself here at Ipswich. Let's uh, let's hope I can come up with a decent photo or two, and let's hope Watford can uh, can sort of ramp up the pressure and turn in uh, another decent performance. Come on, you all, it. My, uh, on my own now, so I can't ask what the protocol is, but I'm not really sure whether I should be taking pictures of uh, Ipswich's attacks sort of early in the um, early in the second half. A lot of the, the plays down in the uh, in the Watford half with Ipswich putting a bit of pressure on, but I feel a bit sort of uh, there's another shot coming in now. I feel a bit guilty taking pictures of, uh, of Ipswich's attacks. We don't want to remember those. We want to remember Watford ones. But I don't know as a, if a professional, I'm doing the right thing there. But as a fan, I'm going to put me uh, put my foot down. I will not be taking any photographs of Ipswich's efforts or attempts on goal. I have spoken. So about the uh, 303rd thing I've learned today is that uh, it's really, really hard to catch a goal. Troy Deeney just equalised for Watford in the uh, 82nd minute and uh, I saw it, I didn't get any pictures of it. <laughs> so uh, on one hand, absolutely delighted that Watford are back in this, but um, I can't help but feeling I've failed in my uh, uh, new profession. Um, I'm going to try harder to, uh, to get a good picture of the winner. Come on, you want it. Hi, I'm Ketchianya. Merry Christmas, and you're listening to from the Korean. How was that? What was that, Mike? How was it for you? It's, it's very, very enjoyable. Hugely eye-opening. It's a real, real experience. Thank God. I mean, I say, and, uh, how hard is that job? Mm. And uh, Alan explained to me before the game. He said, "What you've got to do is you've got to be one step ahead of everything." And how right he was, because hugely eye-opening experience, and it just shows how you know we take these great images for for granted and such a lot of effort goes into A, getting the right position, getting the timing, holding the camera is hard because they're big heavy bits of equipment um, and then of course choosing the right photo, cropping it and getting it off for, for use and whole, whole, you know, there's so much behind the scenes that, it, that you're not aware of but massively enjoyable so massive thanks to Alan and uh, Watford and Ipswich for sorting it out. So I've done my bit, how's your bit? Well I think it was, it was very different trying to watch a game of football Trying to write a report at the same, almost at the same time, continually going on. You know, Frank said that you know the minute that the team news is there, we're off, and you're sort of trying to write this report. And I was literally from half past two till just before five o'clock, trying to write and edit and remember all the bits and which bits do I include? That important shot there is that going to be different later on? So I just checked your report and it said that it's which one three nil. That's someone else's. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a very different experience. And all the way to the second half. When like always, you know, there was the, the handball and there was the all the major sort of problems that were sort of going on, and a lot of the blokes around us who were like Ipswich journalists kept coming up to me. I think because I was on the corner, and they, they, they basically they knew those blokes on the back row are Watford, and they kept coming up to me because I was nearest, saying, uh, "Who was the player who handballed it?" You were in the spotlight then. Oh, I was under a bit of pressure. Huh? Well, at one point, one said to do something, and I, I, I froze, I panicked, I, <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. I was trying to write a report at that point, but I did, I did my, I did the report. It's there. First time I've done it. We'll, we'll see. You can read the report on fromtherookerend.com. Did you hit your deadline? You had to get it up by five o'clock. Did you get it up right. by five o'clock? If you read, the website said 5.01. Mm. I think it was 5 and 30. <laughs> What's that still <laughs> sound? The sound of a deadline flying by. <laughs> but it was, uh, no, it was great. It was a lovely experience and one of the fantastic things we've got to do uh, on From the Rooker End. Uh, we're in the press room now, uh, waiting for the post-match press conferences. Uh, up first is the new Watford head coach, Giuseppe Sanini, and he is coming in right now. So what did he think of his first game? <coughs> it was a dream for me to land in England, in this country. So uh, this game was uh, 90 minutes of, uh, of my life that uh, I always was dreaming. 
tactical wise we were good we moved we keep the point so we moved the table but I'm uh, honest uh, with you I think that uh, the job is not done so we have to do much more effort but it's important to move the table for me this was the most important thing we played against uh, a very good squad which uh, was uh, in a very good run last uh, last period this is a starting point for us did you think the penalty was a fair decision? Our coach that uh, accepted the decision of the referee, so I have nothing to say about that. How did his preparation go this week? It was only two days, so it was not a week. You can imagine, I'm not a magician. The, the championship, the kind of football. So first, my first thought is uh, for Gianfranco because he, he did a, a great job. I think that the position now on the table is not uh, where the Watford should should be at the moment. Honestly, we can't. I couldn't do nothing more than what I did. And if uh, we we could have three points today, it was not my absolutely not my for for me. It was for Gianfranco. What I gave, I think, my way to be in the touchline, my way to be with the lads, to live the game with passion. What style of football did he plan to play at Watford? Vorrei giocare un calcio propositivo. To play a kind of football where you can have ball on the floor. This kind of football that I was watching from, from my country, from Italy, and I think I can adapt quickly to this, uh, to this culture. My first speech to the, uh, to the lads was uh, to apologize to them because I don't, I don't speak English, so I, I, uh, my best effort will, will do to, to speak English in, uh, as soon as possible. Big, big uh, regrets. It's veloce. Well, it was too quick, so I couldn't be uh, like uh, Ancelotti or Mancini that they, they had time to prepare. Gotcha, so I'm really sorry for that. Uh, he's a charismatic man, is he not, Mike? I, I can't lie. The first thing I noticed was he had his initials did, yes. embroidered onto his collar. What a guy. What a stylish fella. Yeah, very engaging, very charismatic. He doesn't speak a lick of English. He, he paused after after, he, after the press conference was finished to talk to a couple of the, the local newsmen and was very warm and, and, and engaging and, and interesting. You know, he's the, I, I enjoyed hearing from him, even though I didn't really understand what he's saying. <laughs> you, you get the feeling that he is, he, 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 he's... You know, he's hit the ground running. He feels... But there's intent there, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. You can tell he means business. I think, um, you know, his record is, is good. He has got promotions. He has, he's done things in football. He hasn't done it in England yet, so he's got, a, he's got a point to prove. He said there in the press conference, this was a dream come true to, to be managing in the, in the, English, in the English League. And, you, and you've got to believe him. You've got to say, right, yeah, you know, these, this is probably one of the... You know, this is a big job for someone, and, and he's done well to get it, really, if you... If you look at his CV in the, you know, in black and white, you wouldn't necessarily have him at the top of the list of your candidates. So he, he's got it, uh, and now we, one would assume he's going to be very, very determined to, to make a success of it. And, you know, quite apart from anything else, really, I think this Watford team probably needs to kick up the backside. Any team that's lost five games at home in a row, four of them without scoring, something's going wrong. They need something to happen, and someone who has got a, um, a good reputation of being organised, of being a disciplinarian, of being a, a tactician, of doing research and looking at opposition, plan, you know, making plans, that's got to be a good thing. We are at a point in time when we need a particular thing to happen, and from the very, very limited experience I've had of him, and from the very little I know of him, it seems that that's why he's here, to do a very particular job, to stop this, stop this slide, stop this rot, 
turn it around and get Project Watford pointing upwards again. Well, uh, Mick McCarthy will be here in a minute. I'm going to, I'll stick around here uh, and uh, see what he's got to say uh, about what he thought of the, the Watford side. And how about you head off? Because I think Lloyd Doyle is going to have a chat with Lloyd Doyle. Yeah, always good to catch up with Lloyd. Thank you. Lloyd's a good school, huh? Lloyd, you think you've just about deserved to win that game? Last year they came here and played 3 5 to a murderous. So I think it shows how far we've come. We set them up again the same today. Uh, I think their players know that they're comfortable with it, and they're good side. They've got, they've got good players there. Were you having a little ding dong at one point with it? No, no, far from it. I was telling the fourth official to show up and leave him alone. All oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> the poor little fellow's just come in. He's into English football for what four days, three days. He stepped out of the box while. Find us a linesman can't run up and down, but you know it wasn't like. Sit down or just get out of there. It was either stand in your box or I'm going to send you to the stand. I mean, I do that with you. Well, do me a favour. Let's make him welcome for God's sake. <laughs> I, I think some of their bench misconstrued what I was saying. <laughs> so that somebody said something to me. I said, I'm trying to help him. <laughs> I'm on his side. Shut up. <laughs> so I did have a bit of a. But it was with somebody else who was. I'm trying to be nice to him and they're giving that to me, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what, what were your first impressions of the new Watford boss? I like him. I like his passion fellows up on the side. He set his team, they're well organised. I think he's got a good group of players and he's coming into that, so that's nice, you know. I don't think, I don't think Gianfranco has left under any sort of a cloud or that. And they've not been being away from home. I mean, he's got a good group there, so I liked him. And he had a smile on his face and that, yeah. So it gives me great pleasure on the 50th from the Rookery End podcast to be joined by uh, none other than Lloyd Doyle. Welcome, Lloyd. Hello. Mm-hmm. Um, how's it to be back? It's brilliant. Uh, I've been out for seven weeks now, so uh, I'm I'm happy to be back and involved in the game. Quite grateful that the uh, boss picked me in this first game. So you mentioned the boss. You've been out for seven weeks, but I think this is your ninth manager. Is quite, quite a few managers. Uh, it's, it's the same as usual, though. And, uh, <laughs> I just have to uh, prove my worth and make sure I stay in the team. On this occasion, straight in the team. Is that a bit of a novelty with a new manager? Yeah, I didn't expect to be straight in the team. been training for like the last week now. I've trained pretty well. He's obviously seen that um, I'm capable of playing, so uh, he put me in. Of course, you don't need to convince of that of us, uh, that to <laughs> us, Lloyd. We know the situation. And early thoughts, how's it been in and around the, the training grounds? Yeah, it's been, it's been pretty good. You know, I've been... A big change, obviously. Uh, no one expected Zola to leave, but he has, and uh, we, we've still got a job to do at the end of the day. And the new boss has come in, and uh, he's made us work on a lot of tactical work. Mm-hmm. He's, show, he, he's showing how passionate he is, and how much he wants us to win, and how much he wants us to fight in every game. He looks pretty terrifying, is he? He is. <laughs> you can see that <laughs> straight away, you know. Obviously, this has been our first game, and it's been a, a decent result for us, considering we've lost quite a few recently. Yes, uh, He hasn't really shown his uh, fierceness yet, but I'm sure it will come out soon. And he was pleased, pleased in the dressing room after that? Yes, he was pleased. You know, it's his first game, and big game for him, just as much as it was for us. So uh, we're all together now, and... Uh, we're looking to uh, climb that table. I think it's good to hear, Lloyd. This is our first podcast since since Gianfranco left, so obviously we'll be looking back over here over the period. Obviously, it was a fantastic time for fans. It hasn't been so great recently. Have you got a particular memory that stands out from from Gianfranco's time at Watford? Yeah, it's, it's just a uh, gentleman treated every player the same. Even if he was in the team, the team 
you're treated the same. You had a lot of respect from every player and all, and all the staff around. We greatly missed. We wish him the best in the future. Is this season over for Watford? No. We're only probably about six points away from players now. It's still a long way through the season. We've still got a lot more games. It's time for us to kick on. And the message message for the fans, Lloyd, obviously it's been tough at Vicarage Road the last couple of games. You haven't been involved, so you're, you're devoid. No blame to you, Lloyd. <laughs> but, you know, it has been tough at Watford. Seeing, you know, five home defeats in the bounce, four without a win. What, what can you tell the supporters? The expectation is really high this year. It's high in the dress, dressing room as well. What we need to do is all stick together, get the crowd on our side, because we need them. They can be our 12 men. We can try and get some results, especially at home. Get some more wins at home, make a home our fortress, and then we will be kicking up the league. That's what we like to hear. Perfect. Thanks so much, Lloyd. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! So we uh, leave the Cruise Road, Watford nil, Queen's Park Rangers, or quarter pound of rubbish, uh, <laughs> nil. With three games now under the, the new head coach, Beppe. Jason, has much changed? Yes, well, for starters, we're, we're looking solid, aren't we? Um, there was a stat I read somewhere uh, before the start of the game that hadn't been a nil nil in this picture since Roman times <laughs> or something like that. And two weeks ago, you'd have said, yeah, it's not going to be nil nil again, is it? Um, but now we're looking solid at the back. Yeah. This is, uh, I know Chippy don't score many goals, but they're still a quality size, and we've stopped them from scoring. Yeah, Richard, who uh, sits next to me, a uh, couple of good stats. He said uh, one goal in six halves of football, or one goal in 270 minutes of football. And it does seem to me that's the biggest thing. We are a lot more solid, and I'm much more confident in, in, that, in that back line. Well, which is interesting because we're playing the same formation as well. We're still playing three-five-two. Yeah. We seem to press a lot quicker. That's something you picked up, I think, yes. John, uh, the Ipswich game. And that's part of it's de- defending from the front. We're not giving yeah. the teams the opportunity to come and attack us. And they've got some very attacking-minded players, um, very skillful players with lots of ability in that QPR team that could have could have taken us apart. We've got to look at uh, in, in context as, as to the last sort of two months of, of football here at Vicarage Road. It came off an awful run um, where we were getting progressively worse with each passing home game. We were losing games, we weren't scoring and we were letting loads in. QPR have come today, they've got I think about 20 more points than us, they're second in the league um, and like Jay said they don't, they don't create much and I don't actually think they created much today but I think if, 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 if hand on heart you'd have offered a Watford fan a point before the game today they'd have probably go and go on then we'll have that. So I think um, what, what we got three, five points in his first three games coming off the back of what we, we were coming off I think that's, um, that's a decent return No I mean you know, we are three games down undefeated only one goal let in no, I think it's a penalty and that was a penalty a, a, a yeah alright so let's say he's never let any decent goals in <laughs> um, my worry my, my, the challenge the true challenge I think that um, Beppe had in front of him was to come in and play so many games so quickly and not really have a chance to do anything you know, they probably didn't have the training time to be able to develop anything new. You know, as you heard in the press conference, you know, that the came with Ipswich, he had two days. That's all that he could do. And I, as you know, we've seen today, there is a certain idea of being a bit more pressurised, a bit, bit quicker, as certain was, was in that game. But, you know, we've got another game in two days' time, and then we've got an FA Cup game, and then is he going to get time to do stuff? But well, the, the interesting thing is that the, the, the next game is a gauge, isn't it? It's Yeovil. It's not long since we played them, oh, and, yeah. and capitulated in front of the Vicarage Road crowd. It'll be interesting to see how we cope at Yeovil, uh, a team that, yeah, I'd say took us apart not long ago, what the difference is there. Well, I've, I've always maintained, you say he hasn't had long, but I've always maintained that it wouldn't take much, although having... Having, you know, acknowledging that it was a dismal run of form and we were looking pretty poor, 
I always maintain it wouldn't take much to get this get this team looking reasonable again. There's there's such talent in the squad, so I think confidence for this for this Watford side is such a, such a massive thing. And we can you, you don't turn it on, you don't turn it off, you don't get it back after a four 0 win against Millwall. It's a gradual thing, but once it starts coming back, I think you know I don't think he needs to change that much. No. You know I think it definitely needs a bit of tinkering and there needs to be a bit of firming up. Perhaps you know there's a bit of anecdotal evidence that stuff in you know that you know were, were they as tactically sort of aware and astute were they working on set pieces in the, on the playing ground were they watching videos we don't know it sounds as if they weren't so a bit of tightening up and a bit of hopefully a bit of confidence and I think we'll see things change quite quickly yeah I mean you say he hasn't or he doesn't need to change much and he hasn't changed much in that the formation is the same um, 3-5-2 the good thing to that is that he's got the players he knows the players that played those positions already and that sort of gives him a bit of a head start coming into this what like you say the difficulty of all the games coming so soon after each other he's probably never had to deal with anything like this before in Italy yeah. they don't play over Christmas they certainly don't play sort of game games, every uh, three games like, like he's come straight into so that, that's, that's going to be the test for him and also days. going back to what Frank said and then mind you with him you know this is the fact that the, he's coming in in the same mould in the same philosophies through the same approach there isn't that mass upheaval between managers so that's going to be quite good if once this Christmas period's over if there's one thing you'd like to work on Mike as a Watford what would it be? I'd just like us to be more cohesive as, a, as an entire unit I think we've, what we've rightly done we look firmer at the back which is better but I want to see us attacking with purpose and moving forward you know like we did sweeping up Forward, through the, down the pitch, looking like we bloody well mean it, you yeah. know. And we didn't have a Kentianya out there today. I think he he's made the difference since he's come back and started to look good. And you know, I think I just like to see us pose more of an attacking threat because I don't. Robert Green didn't really have much to do today, and you know that the Millwall game aside, that has been a uh, an un, unpleasant sort of recurring theme that the opposition goalie hasn't had much to do. So I'd like us to, just to pose a few more pr- questions, pose a few more problems up front. No, there's been uh, chat, Jason, about two boys are coming in from the Udinese family again one position where we needed one player because that's all the Mr Pozzo is going to put in he's putting um, players in he's yeah, going to where would you want that one player to come it's in it's a common theme and it links into what Mike's been talking about and it's that Vidra type striker now we see Troy all of a sudden is working really hard at trying to be what Vidra was last season I think he's now trying to play on the shoulder of the last defender at the moment what we're seeing is a lot of side decisions go against him because yeah. he's, as he's, he's playing a different game to what he was used to before but at least he's trying I think it's a step in the right direction but if we can get someone that can play that position all the better if they're ready yeah, ready made for that position then I think that will add that attacking dimension that Mike's looking for, I mean, for, Fabrini, for. Fabrini I thought showed glimpses again today I think for the first sort of 20 minutes he looked really lively he was picking the ball up deep and then driving on with it and I thought right this is where he's at his best because people because he's, he's tricky and he's dainty and he can move the ball quickly and he can, he can draw the foul and I thought they're right we're going to see a good game from him they're going to come thundering into him and, and, and they'll be worried about him but that sort of evaporated into, well, uh, and in the second half before he had the 10 minutes preceding him being taken off yeah. I don't think in that one he, he won't yeah, be getting out on DVD any time he should be getting the DVD so then he should be sending it showing him oh, on yeah. DVD yeah. so that he can sort himself out because it was, it was just way too casual it was, yeah, it was, his decision making wasn't, wasn't good but again the frustrating thing you know we saw the brilliance of him in, in little glimpses I mean people are, will have given up on him already I know a lot of people have but yeah. he is so he's skillful and he's quick and he's nimble and he can, he, he can cause headaches yeah. but it's just you know it's easy to say can he adapt to the championship and he's one that looks like he, he hasn't yeah. can 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 Pepe get that out of him? 
with, with waiting to see. He's got in the, he got into the Italy squad, for God's sake. There must yeah. be something there. Yeah. Well, you saw Acuna come on as well, and a different sort of player, played in the same play, same position, and got, and got put straight away. I think it was quite a harsh booking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd yeah. almost prefer that in this sort of game, with someone sort of throwing themselves around a bit and thundering in them a little bit. And One ahead of the game done as well, I think, didn't he? Yeah. Well, yeah. Danny got yeah. caught, so I think Danny wasn't expecting him to win it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think in, in, in mentioning those two, that, there's a difficulty there, because we had, um, uh, what was his name, Hayho last yeah. year, who I actually thought, again, showed flashes of being a decent player, but wasn't used enough for obvious reasons. That, you know, that's not a criticism. But they, they, they don't get that time to develop as players in the league. Yeah, how do you get? How do you get? How do you solve a problem like Javier, for example? How do you get him? How do you get him into a ga- into a game situation? You can't. You can't just say right. Mm-hmm. We bring someone on to get minutes in them. Yeah. You know, this time needs to be right. But I think he's one of those. That if you if he if he'd played week in, perhaps if we didn't have such a deep squad and we had to play him week in week out, I think we'd, people would be seeing a, a, a decent player in the queue. It will be interesting to see uh, how he sets up the team uh, at Yeovil. But that's the next game. The, the, the South West Hornets are having a, a ball over the next week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeovil uh, away, followed by Bristol City and the FA Cup. I mean, another thing interesting to see, how does he treat the FA Cup? Does he treat it as another game to win to keep the momentum going? Or is it a time to rest certain players? Having said what we've said about confidence, you've got to you've got to go all guns blazing and beat Bristol City. That's I mean they've won at home. Uh, we were talking after the Gibraltar uh, game. They've, I think they've stuck four past one of their playing today. So yeah. there'll be you know there won't be a massive crowd. The Bristol City weren't overly enamoured by this tie, so it's possibly a good chance for us to go and go and um, stick some goals in the back of the net. We talked about Acuna and and for and Fabrini perhaps you know this could be their time. We've got to take. We're, this is the first blip of the Pozzo era. If you take a side. Missing the uh, missing out on the um, on promotion, which is quite big, yeah, um, yeah. Part, quite a big pothole to hit. This is the real first real sort of crossroads, isn't it? Where where we're waiting to see sort of and, how things pan and out. Those, so those, those moments sort of help define a football club and win, win, win. Everything's great. Doesn't really help to really cement ethos and yeah, I mean approaches I th- and all that. Sort of. So I'm, I'm I think it's, it's in many ways I'm happy we've gone through it. Yeah. Before we go up, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think we we had a brief chat before. Perhaps it was better that this happened in the Championship as opposed to in the in the Premier League, because if we'd gone up and and the cracks were being papered over, and the wheels had come off up there, then I think we you know we saw Hull beat Fulham six 0 over yeah, over yeah, Christmas. Yeah. That's that's the sort of league we're talking about. There's there's not much room for um, for mistakes and, and lack of confidence and outform players up there. So. Perhaps, you know, it's time again to take stock and look at things in context. We are, in effect, starting again. Uh, what we've got now is we've had a little bit of a run-up. We've got sort of pause, got our breath, sort of warmed up again. And now we've got to have a real tilt as, as we move into 2014 at uh, getting up into those player places. We have got the squad to do it. Um, he's a talented manager, obviously. He knows his way around football. Um, you know, this, this can still happen. But, you know, we need to keep our feet on the ground. And it really is, at this stage, a case of... Cliche Claxton <laughs> taking his game as it comes. Oh. Some good cliches from Lloyd in your interview with him, so let's, let's keep on. Yeah, going. that's catching. Catching. Right. Uh, we'll be back at the end of January and we'll, we'll know a little bit more about the style, the approach, the changes, the formation, the, the first choices of the new Watford manager, Beppe. Come on, you on. Come on, you on. Here's the next 15.